When I became a Christian, it was my community confirming, okay, I think you have a teaching gift and all the, all of those types of things. And then I started to do poetry, but it was never on my radar that this was a work that would be profitable per mm -hmm. se. It was like, no, nah, I'm a just, I'm a work at Wendy's and I'm a do ministry. And that's, that's okay. And I still think that's okay. Just because, because, because I think just because you have a passion doesn't mean that you're like God or Providence is obligated to put you in the field where you can live out your passion. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, th I think that's a super American way <laughs> of understanding work and things like that. But I think I started to pay attention to the way God was moving, where he, he was making it possible that I could do what I love and care for myself and my family. And so when I saw that, it was like, oh, maybe I can leave. Wendy's and be okay you know when I saw that it was a wise decision to make rather than just a passion project hello saints welcome to season three of let's talk a podcast for women from the gospel coalition podcast network I am Jackie Hill Perry and I'm here with my buddies my buckos Jasmine Holmes and Melissa Kruger to talk about how to apply biblical wisdom to everyday life. This season, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. We're going to get all up in your business. We're going to discuss idolatry, boundaries, obedience, the law, race, and a whole bunch of other stuff. But before we start today's topic, I'm going to let each of you introduce yourselves. Melissa, remind us, who are you? Sometimes I can't remember. <laughs> Do y'all ever feel that way? Yes. It's like, what's, like, what's the important stuff to I say? Know, I know. Um, I work for TGC. I'm mm -hmm. director of women's initiatives. I'm married to Mike, who works at RTS. He's president of RTS Charlotte. We have three kids, um, Emma, John, and Kate. And um, I think that's me. That what is about you, you Jasmine? That's good. I know. That's you. I know. Um, I'm married to Philip. He also works for RTS. Um, he is institutional. Mike is, what is it? So they get to Re hang out. Local. They get to hang out. They get to hang out. They're buddies. We don't get to see them. Actually, Phil's buddies with Mike and I know. Preston. They're really cute. I think we They're need to bring the guys on it's sometime. Really, it's really true. cute. That would be actually really That'd be really fun. Right? Really fun. Uh, I have, um, <laughs> can I say I have three kids? I have three. Yeah. you. Have, I, you do. I have three. I felt the foot. Um, <laughs> three boys. Uh, Wayne Langston and Jamie, and I work, I do a lot of odds and ends for work, mostly writing. Yes, mm -hmm. uh, my name is Jackie, and uh, writer, speaker, author, person, uh, married to Preston Perry. We have three girls and one boy on the way, and a dog named December. So, I forgot my dog. That's okay. How old's your dog? Uh, he is the same age as my youngest child, so nine months oh that's right so we have two I babies i remember seeing that on instagram and thinking it was kind of stupid doing? it was kind of stupid <laughs> I, though. yeah people you were like why, why are you getting explain. a puppy when you have a newborn it's like why not what i was thinking why not live life on the edge that's jesus is coming back you yeah you're dealing with bodily fluids everywhere yeah so you might as well and dogs it. you put them in a cage you that's know true. babies you actually have to feed that's them all true. day that's true. that's true i do remember thinking that oh i can just leave my dog yeah you know in the cage uh-huh it felt very yeah, you yeah. can't do that with a baby. No, you can't. They'll call CPS. Yeah, so. But I mean, they probably should. <laughs> but yeah. But anywho. So we're here again, and both of you are pregnant. Yes. Yes. Last time it was just Jackie. We talked about this at our last episode. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's a thing. I don't know. That's know. just the season we're we're in. I guess a season of you know for for now. Yes. Oh, definitely for now. <laughs> for now, because yeah. next season that is not mm-hmm. going to be the I case. Know. Hello. No. I know. We just waiting on you, Melissa, to uh, you know uh, to get I your Sarah on. Just, if you round this <laughs> off, I think that we can just be done. You know. No. Do you see the look of fear on my face? <laughs> I mean, I'm I have the same look actually, on my face, and look at me I have now. A little bit of like <laughs> that would be exhausting, but then I'm like, it's amazing to be pregnant. I know y'all don't feel this right now, Mm-mm-mm. but you know, there's a little human in you. It's pretty amazing. Yes. And yeah, then it's exhausting, nice. and well, this know. is the best though. She's like been my number one fan for the last 24 hours because all I have to do is be like, it's a foot. And she's like, really? Because <laughs> <laughs> Philip doesn't care. Like. He, I'm not saying he doesn't care, but he's like, okay, yeah, I see. It's a foot. Mm, okay. Yeah. And Melissa's like, oh my gosh, there's a whole it's baby amazing. inside of you. And I'm it's like, amazing. yeah. I do think I'm going to reach a certain age where I miss yeah. the whole pregnant stage. Yeah. And then I'll just wait on my kids to have kids. That's what I'm waiting and on. And I'll, you know, yeah. live through them. But That's anywho, uh, today we are going to talk about work. But before we do, I think it's helpful to actually define what is work. Anybody? question i know right now hamilton is going through my mind work work <laughs> sorry <laughs> we can cut that right <laughs> it was kind of cute you might not want to it's kind of adorable i kind of liked it like, that's what's going through my mind um i think about work as being on mission simply because in the garden when god gave adam the first work it was about the broader vision of bringing creation into submission to God. So Adam was bringing creation into submission to God by naming the animals and taking dominion. And then Eve came and that was also her work. Um, and then they ended up having to cultivate the ground and like take care of and steward. So I think about like mission and stewardship. I know that's not like a dictionary definition, but I actually really like that. The, the mission and the stewardship part, I hadn't thought about this before, but we know that when the garden was created, it already had fruit mm-hmm. because soon enough they're eating of the wrong tree. Right. So they were stewarding it, but they weren't the creators of it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think we think of our work as like our own little creation, but it's something we're given to steward and take care of what's right. been given to us. I really like that. I hadn't thought about that before. I like the word steward. Uh, with work though, I think even though the language I think we use was, was beautiful, you know, cultivation and all of those things. But if we're honest, work isn't like, not all work is fun. Mm. And I, I think even the idea of work, when we hear it, mm-hmm. it might, you know, strike up some anxiety and some stress. So why do you think that there's so much angst when it comes to either the idea of work or the process of actually working because for me, I think when I think work, I think, ah, I have to get up and do something I may or may not want to do. Right. You know, I have to get out of my bed and, and clean. I have to get out of my bed and answer emails. I got to respond to text messages. Just, our whole life is work. And mm-hmm. it just, it's a lot. <laughs> I Like back to the garden, though, I think it's the curse mm-hmm. after, after the sin of, you know, eating the fruit, God was like, okay, well now it's going to be really hard to Mm. cultivate. It's going to be really hard to, you're going to sweat. You're going to have to really struggle. Um, and I think that we still see that today. Yeah. Like we're, we're seeing, we're seeing the struggle and not just the, the good parts of it, the fun parts of it. Cause there are, there are fun parts of work, Mm -hmm. but there's also like 
I have to work to make money or mm-hmm. we don't eat <laughs> yeah. or I have to keep working consistently mm-hmm. or, you know, things will fall through. Like it's, it's not just the joy. Yeah. There are real thorns and thistles mm-hmm. with all of our work, even if it's not physical ones, whether it's just, we're tired, we're overworked. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are all these things that I think in perfection wouldn't have been true. Right. You know, if we were still back in Eden, I think our work would just be joyful and make us feel like we have a purpose and we're part of something. Mm. Whereas now, you know, our bodies are frail. Right. Mm. Yeah. The jobs we do aren't perfect. Everything, you know, there are struggles in whatever work, even if we Mm -hmm. love our job. Mm -hmm. I mean, so in a lot of ways, I feel very blessed because I've loved pretty much every job I've had. Let me ask you this question. What would you encourage somebody with who doesn't love the job? that they're in because that's a reality for some people. They get to work every day and they don't like what they do. So I'm thankful, you know, but here's, here's the road, whatever job you have, whether it's paid or unpaid, they're going to be hard things, but some people hate every moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I did when I was at Wendy's, it was just (laughs) like, man, every day I come in here and do the same thing, put out the ketchup, cut up the lettuce, you know, create the chili, all the things. And it was the redundancy of it. Uh It was just just the repetitive nature of doing the same thing every day. And I wonder if that's why work can also be difficult is that it feels purposeless. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It feels like if I am I only doing this to pay my phone bill? Yeah. Like, that's it? Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm affecting the world in any way. But you kind of are because you're making food to sustain people. It might have a lot of GMOs in it, but I'm helping you stay alive. You yeah. are. You are helping Jasmine, pregnant Jasmine, who cannot <laughs> get out of bed and fix food, survive. Yes. And then now DoorDash is a thing yes. where they bring my work to you. Yes. See? Yeah. God is good. Yes. Yeah. So maybe thinking of it in larger terms is helpful. Not in like a, you know... I think we also have to acknowledge that all of us are very privileged in the work that we get to do at this point in our lives. That's right. Um, Because we all three get to do what we're passionate about and what we love. Uh, That doesn't mean that it's always easy, but I do think that I have a certain level of privilege to be able to do the things that I love to do versus doing something that I don't enjoy because I need to provide for my family. Um, I think about that. I thought about that a lot during the pandemic, just like that. We didn't, neither of us lost our jobs. Like mm-hmm. we both were able to keep going, keep moving forward with the kids. Like everything was, everything stayed stable for us during the pandemic, which is not the same for everybody else. Yeah. Um, so I kind of feel inept to give advice about what to do when you don't like your job, because I've actually been really privileged in my work since I started working. Yeah, that's right. And, and I think there is something good in just working no matter what. Like if Mm -hmm. you can get to that, even if it is like, really, I'm doing pickles again today, you know, that there is something, I do think that there's something, um, we were created to work. So it is better to be working even a job you don't love Mm. than not to be working at all. Mm -hmm. Like there's something right. We were made to do this. And so I think, you know, I think the worst thing, and I I do think there are rates of depression that are higher, you know, for people who just aren't working, you know, and aren't, aren't doing something because you're still contributing Mm. to someone, someone's paying you to do this. So somebody wants what you're giving. If you're working, even if it's a job you don't love, there's still something intrinsically good about that, that I think that we can hold on to. But I think another question in all of this is how do we even know what we're passionate about? How do we, like, if we're talking to, 
you know, a 19 year old who's in college. And I think this is really stressful for a lot of young people because you go in or you're 18 or you're graduating from high school or something. And people are like, what are you going to do with your life? You're 18. Like, that's a big question. What are you going to do with your life? But like, how did you even start to discern, you know, I like to write, I like poetry. I mean, how did that even, and how did you even get to the point where you could make a career out of what you enjoy? Because I think that's a big step to, one, know what you like, and then, two, move towards that as a career. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because sometimes I think we think if we like it, then it's not work, so I can't make a career out of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And sometimes we think that if we like it, we shouldn't have to work to make a career out of it. Like, it should just fall in our lap and yeah, be that's right. amazing. Whereas I think we would all say, even though we love what we do, it is still work. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's hard you know, yeah. to, to do it. And we may not always be able to do it, you mm-hmm. know, circumstances and seasons change. I think for me, I started to identify my passions mainly by what am I actually good at? Mm-hmm. You know, I always got A's in English. Wasn't really hard to do. <laughs> you know, obviously I can write. Um, and then when I became a Christian, it was my community confirming, okay, I think you have a teaching gift and all the, all of those types of things. And then I started to do poetry, but it was never on my radar that this was a work that would be profitable per mm-hmm. se. It was like, no, nah, I'm a just, I'm a work at Wendy's cause that's what I, I worked at Wendy's for six or seven years. Yeah. Right. I'm a work at Wendy's and I'm a do ministry and that's, that's okay. And I still think that's okay. Just because, cause, cause I think just because you have a passion doesn't mean that you're like God or Providence is obligated to put you in the field where you can live out your passion. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, th- I think that's a super American way <laughs> of understanding work and things like that. But I think I started to pay attention to the way God was moving, where he, he was making it possible that I could do what I love and care for myself and my family. And so when I saw that, it was like, oh, maybe I can leave. Wendy's and be okay you know when I saw that it was a wise decision to make mm-hmm. rather than just a passion project yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um I've been writing my whole life mm-hmm. I think I've told the story before when I was eight o'clock my first story was about everybody died even the narrator <laughs> so you're um, writing happy stories your whole life happy. they were all like the last words in the story were the narrator being like and now I lay down in the snow and I die I like that, that though. It's good. It's poetic. I like it. It's good. Um, So I always knew that I wanted to be a writer. uh, And, but when I got married, and I guess we'll kind of get into this with the next few questions, but when I got married, I thought that I needed, that I had to stop working and then I needed to, okay, like that part of my life is over. Now it's time to um, raise my kids and, you know, maybe homeschool, be pregnant, you know. (laughs) Which is work. Which is work. Hello. And so is homeschooling, and so is raising yeah. kids, and so is keeping home. Yeah. But I only thought that one kind of work was acceptable for me. Mm. Um, and so it was my husband, it was Philip, who was like, hey, we should start, a, you should start a blog. You're really good mm. at writing. Or you should, you know, you should talk to this person who is interested in um, maybe like some writing projects from you, or you should. And so it really was mm. Philip who kind of helped nudge me into doing more um work that was geared towards the things that I was specifically passionate about. I think without him, um, I probably would have just been like, no, I'm just supposed to, 
I'm just supposed to do this, this, and I want to be really careful because it, it still was work either way, yeah. right? Like being a stay-at-home mom is work. Yeah. Um, but I was like, no, this is the work that I'm allowed to do. Yeah. And it took Philip to be like, you we, to have we a can, bigger vision. Yes, like we can do both, and then which involves him kind of having to take on more mm-hmm. and be more involved and be more present because now we both work full time. So it was really an act of selflessness on his part as well to just be like, I want you to be able to pursue your passion. And that means that I'm going to have to sacrifice some things as well. Um, and he was willing to do that. So I have yeah. a question, Jasmine. So recently on your Instagram, you've kind of been sharing about how this is the, I, I think the first year that you haven't been teaching in yep. school mm-hmm. and you just kind of some of the grief attached to that. I guess my question would be, that's obviously something that you have a passion for and something you've been working, like a field you've been working in for a long time. And so I guess what was the process where you saw this is a work that I love to do, but I'm not going to continue to do, I guess, in this way. Yeah. And how do you, I don't know, how do you encourage the people where it's like a season is coming where I can't do mm-hmm. what I love to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was a teacher for nine years. Um, that was my first job out of college. Middle school teacher, which is a, it's calling. It's you are a, calling. a saint. It is a calling. Um, I'm not a saint. I'm just afraid of high schoolers, and I don't have patience for elementary school. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a good middle. Middle ground. schoolers are snarky and awkward, and I'm like, that's me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that worked. That worked for me. But yeah, I up until I think even I had talked to you in when were we in Chicago? Was that April? Mm. Mm, yes. Because I think even when I talked to you in April, I was still kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to quit. Yes. I'm not sure. You were talking about going to school. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, I kept telling Philip, like, I think that I'm, I think I'm called to teach. Like, I just feel like I'm called to teach and I feel like I'm called to, to be here. And I have been, like, one, the only black teacher at, of the nine years that I've taught, I've been the only black teacher at the school for eight of those years. Um, I have had majority black students one year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it just was, not only was it teaching, but it was also this like ministry of being the one mm-hmm. to stand out. And then when all of the things over the last few years that have happened that have shaped our culture and have shaped our society made it more and more uncomfortable for me to be in that situation. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of had to, decide like is this discomfort something that I'm called to keep pursuing and pressing into or is this discomfort kind of a restlessness of God telling me hey I have other things for you Hmm. to do Hmm. it was hard and I just remember I kept telling my husband well I'm called I'm called to be a teacher I'm called to be a teacher and he finally was like are you called to be a teacher or are you afraid to stop teaching because you don't know who you are if you're not teaching uh, and i was like okay okay I'm throwing stones okay. now well <laughs> now i have to pray about that and i did i had to pray about it a lot and honestly i thought i had a lot of grief at the end of the year and was very afraid to go into this year not teaching but school started last week um, for my son and at the school that I was most recently working at. And I was like, I thought I was going to be really sad, mm-hmm. but it was really time to go. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just the Holy spirit that helped me navigate. Like I had to pray a lot mm-hmm. and talk to a lot of people. I talked to you. I talked to Philip. I, I talked, I just you didn't like, talk to me. I didn't talk to you. I mean, I'm not hurt. She's talking now. Uh, I'm talking now. Let's see. 
I saw Jackie. That's why I talked to her. Uh-huh. Without me. I mean, Y'all were hanging out without me. I mean, okay. Good. I'm not, I'm not on the outside You're like, or well, anything. it's a Kruger. No, like, Doing a DGC uh, thing. I only, I, t- I feel like I text Melissa when I'm like desperate. Like I texted her the other <laughs> night and I was like, my firstborn is going to school and I'm about to have another baby and I don't know who I am right now. I don't know who I am. <laughs> I'll hold your hand and you'll be okay. Oh, I know. She's like, I'm just going to hug you when I see you. I was like, okay. <laughs> oh, sweet. But I, th- I do think what you said is a really good point about some of our angst about work is it was your identity. Mm-hmm. I am a teacher. And I felt that when I left teaching. That's one of those professions that just like yeah. those helping professions will completely shape you. Yes. Yes. And one, I felt because I taught high school math, mm-hmm. loved it. I felt very comfortable in those roles. And when I left it, I left it for a a small season to be a stay-at-home mom. And I realized culturally, we often say, hey, what's your name? Oh, what do you do? Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, what? who am I now that I don't have a formal title? Right. Mm -hmm. And so it was, and and then when I even started writing, Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, 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 I am a math major. I am not a writer. So I felt for a long time, like I couldn't say I write books. Yeah. I was like, well, I'm pretending to write books mm-hmm. because people keep asking me to, but I'm not a writer. Right. You know, but it, so it takes time. I think our work can be so wrapped up in our identity. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't know how we, maybe here's a, here's a question. So when have you seen work move from a good thing to maybe an idol? in your life like or, or can it become that or how do you see it and I, I think the way I see it in some instances when it becomes about a bigger idol like money or yeah. something like that when it yeah because one thing you know when you're working at Wendy's all day yeah to then do what you're passionate about at night you know it's from the heart yes but when you're doing what you're passionate about to get paid Sometimes you're like, am I doing this because I really love it or just because it's work? Mm-hmm. I'm getting right. paid. Yeah. You know, it's it's hard to know when it moves from mm-hmm. this is good, it's doing a good thing, into no, I'm actually serving this. Yeah. I'm willing to sacrifice God things for this work thing. Yeah, I and know. I think that's yeah. the evidence of the idolatry is that you're, you're willing to relinquish spiritual things, mm-hmm. uh, namely God, yeah. uh, to serve the idol so you start to see you know your friendships change uh your time at church change your your thought processes like i remember there was one friend i had and both of us love to talk about business and things like that and i noticed every time we went out to eat all we talked about was business Hmm. all we talked about was business and i started to feel convicted like huh Hmm. That's a problem. Mm, <laughs> yeah, our entire yeah. conversation is just about our work um, in terms of the profitability of it. Um, hmm. And so, I, but I do remember this time I, I was at this, uh, this one TGC thing, I don't know. And there was a panel and this lady was talking about her mother and how her mother kind of went through this interesting crisis when she was around 70 or 80 in terms of her identity. And she was saying that I reached an age where a lot of the things that I always used to do or the the kinds of works I used to be in, I no longer do. And so I don't know who I am. Mm. She was like, for 30, 40 years, Mm -hmm. I was a Sunday school teacher. Mm. I'm not. I was a wife. Mm. My husband's gone. I was a mother. Some of my children have passed on before me. And it's not that she's no longer a mother. It's just 
the exercises that were attached right. to that identity, right. all of them have shifted. And now she's this older lady in her home. Like, who am I? Because mm. so much of her worth was attached to what she was able to do. Now that she's not able to do it, the question is, who is she? And I was like, man, that's a, <laughs> it made me really start to think, mm. I don't want to get to a point yeah. where I'm older and now I'm confused about my place in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm. I felt that about teaching. I think teaching was an idol for me in a lot of ways. Cause I was like, it's, an easy identifier um, because when you're a writer or a speaker or a like you don't have the typical nine to five I like I sometimes feel like people don't take it seriously and they're like what do you do and you're like I'm a writer and they're like are you no they don't take it like what's <laughs> like oh okay cool yeah. so you self-published trashy romance novels or like <laughs> with people dying at the end right with people laying in the snow and dying at the end um and it takes a lot of um I'm not good at uh, marketing myself and kind of like pushing myself forward. My husband's family gets onto me for that all the time. They're like, you always downplay everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when I quit my teaching job, my boss was just like, well, I think it's really great that you're going to like spend more time with your side hobby, you know, like side hobby. And I was just like, this is these people <laughs> that I've been working with for four years. Don't know yeah. that they're my side hobby. Uh, and like, yeah, because of the way that I talk about my work is I downplay it all the time mm-hmm. to the point where the person that I work for thought that the $800 a month that I was bringing in teaching was like, that's yeah, the real that's job, the my like full vocation. But that feels safer mm-hmm. than saying like, I'm a writer. And then people say like, what do you write? And I'm like, mm. <laughs> how about shame? Shame, which I feel right now. <laughs> an expert on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think teaching for me was like a safety, like it mm-hmm. felt like a safe thing to say that I, to say that I did. Yeah. Um, in the same way that I think the little stint of time that I wasn't um, working outside the home and was a stay at home mom, that felt also like a safe identity. Cause that's like what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. But as soon as you say like writer and have to like give more details, I was always like, eh, yeah, that's weird. Yeah. I think women, it's interesting. You know, we have potentially this isn't always the case because you may be a woman who works the same job for 40 years and you know, and that's great. But a lot of us go through a lot more ups and downs in our careers mm-hmm. or changes right. than maybe men do. Not always. I mean, some men are changing it up all the time, but one word of encouragement, I would say, I feel like as a woman, I've been able to um, be real open-handed with my work in a way that I don't think my husband felt the same freedom. And now mm-hmm. I have the luxury of being married, you know, so I was, mm-hmm. you know, he was, he was the one officially supporting us while I was just doing part-time work right. and different yeah. jobs Figuring along yeah, the yeah. way. So that was kind of, but we, we often think, oh, well, it's the woman who has to give up the job. Mm-hmm. But what I actually found is by being a mom and working part-time and now I work full-time again, but I had the opportunity to try some things without it being as defining. And that was good mm-hmm. in some ways, meaning my whole life didn't, didn't rely on me bringing home money, mm-hmm. I guess, if that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it allowed me to have what I call, um, there's a really good book. It talks about, it's called Mindset, I think. And it talks about having a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we can get really fixed. Mm-hmm. This is what my major was. This is what I do. And I was talking to some young college women the other day. And one thing I said to them was, if I'd had that mindset, I would be teaching math right now still. 
my job didn't exist when I was in college. Mm. So I think it's always helpful to tell younger people, especially just be open-handed to mm-hmm. what the Lord may bring you through. Mm-hmm. And the job that you may have in 20 years might not exist today. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Google didn't exist when I was in college. Right. Yeah, I mean, I remember my friend telling me about email for the first time, my junior year in college. She's like, there's this thing and you can send a letter and it gets there right away. And I was like, that is impossible. Mm-hmm. That can't happen. You know, and so there's a whole world that may happen in 20 years mm-hmm. that doesn't even exist right now. And so I, I wonder what steps can people be taking with their work? Let's say you are a stay-at-home mom. Let's talk to, to a stay-at-home mom who maybe feels like, I want to do something, but right now I've got four kids at home and I can't even breathe. What do you mean? How, how do I have a dream for maybe something I would do later? What would you say to a mom like that? Well, I think all of that. I, how old is your oldest, Jackie? Six. Yeah, my oldest is five. Um, I'm tired for you. (laughs) (laughs) I have a five and an almost, well, a two and a half, and then I'll have a newborn by the end of the year. Um, And it's been really interesting learning how to balance, especially, and then I've been pregnant. I've been so sick this pregnancy. Everybody keeps saying like, oh, you look so amazing. You've barely gained any weight. It's like, because I can't eat anything. (laughs) Don't compliment me on my suffering. (laughs) But... um, so I've been in the I've been in the bed a lot this year, like most of the time. Like when I tell my um, soon to be middle child, we call him Poot. So I'm like Poot, time to spend time with Mama, and he will immediately go to bed and like jump in my bed and get covers on and be like, "Come on, Mama!" And like pat the place next to him because like that's how we spend time together is in bed together, um, and just reading books or doing whatever because I'm just I'm tired and I'm like nauseous and. So this has been a really formative because I got pregnant in January. So like all of twenty. 21 has just been me not being enough Hmm. for my children Hmm. and not being enough at my work and not being enough at wifehood because I've just been really sick. Hmm. And it's really been a redefining time for me because I realized that so much of my identity came from what I was able to do. Like I'm really good at cooking and I take care of the cleaning and I would be the mom who like took her kids on two hour walks every day. And like, I'm the fun mom. Like we play, we run around, we tickle, we wrestle, you know, we do all these things. And so all of the identity that I had in both motherhood and work got shaken up this year hmm. by having to just lay in the bed and have be pregnant. And be, um, which is work. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you your body's working. working. Yeah. My body's working. And that's just, but it's feeling like it's crazy because your body's working, but it feels like it's falling apart. You're like, yeah. this is, this is good. <laughs> um, so I think my encouragement would just be realizing that the path forward may not look as neat and tidy as you think mm-hmm. it's going to look. And also realizing that so much of our identity, I'll just speak to, you know, to women, comes from what we do, whether it's professionally or relationally, whether it's in the home or outside of the home. So much of our identity comes from proving that we're worthy, that mm-hmm. we are, um, that we're useful, that we're successful, um, whether it's, you know, successful at running the house like June Cleaver or successful at our corporate, like it's just so tied up in work, mm-hmm. um, what we do, what we can deliver. And this year has been a year where I've not been able to deliver as much as normal. And his revealed a lot of idolatry mm. and a lot of shame and a mm. lot of stock that I was putting in what I was able to do. Yeah. 
So my main advice would just be to get in, get in touch with that. So God doesn't have to get you in touch with that. Cause I <laughs> did not enjoy God was like, let me show you something. Yeah. So if you can learn from my experience and not have to be shown, I recommend that. Um, just taking stock of where does knowing where your worth comes from and knowing that it doesn't come from the work that you do either inside of the home or outside of the home, yeah. um, is the first step and knowing what your actual mission is. Mm -hmm. So my mission is to glorify God and enjoy him forever in whatever I do today. So that might mean I'm doing that laying flat on my back, mm-hmm. you know, sick. Mm-hmm. You know, Cause I mean, there are a lot of people out there who do suffer every day from physical ailments that prevent them from traditional work. Right. But to know that, Oh, my goal today is to glorify God. And even in my sickness, even in my weakness, even in my suffering, mm-hmm. When I can put that mission on, I think I'll still be 70 mm. and be able to say my mission hasn't changed. Amen. Like that's the mission I mm-hmm. can hold on to because then I want to be the lady in the rest home saying, can I tell you about Jesus? Yeah. And if I can't talk, I want to be the lady who's praying for the nurses and for the doctors. I want to be that, mm. but I realize I've got to start being that today if I want to be that at 70. And that, I, I think this is the beauty of the Christian life. We always have purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, our secular friends, our people who don't know Jesus, they will eventually get to the end of their days and maybe become purposeless mm-hmm. in their minds. Mm-hmm. You know, where I mean they're not, we know because they're creating the image of God. They're right. not purposeless. But like the the wonder of being a Christian is while I have breath, there are fields that are white for harvest. Mm-hmm. And so our mission never changes, but our or maybe our mood does, like what we're doing to accomplish that mission. So it may be wiping little runny noses mm-hmm. is what you're given today. And can you do it joyfully unto the Lord? Mm-hmm. It might be standing up and speaking to 10,000 women is what your mission is for t- today. Can you do that joyfully to the Lord? Yeah, no. <laughs> Jasmine says no. <laughs> but, you know, and that that's freeing. Like, I can only do what he's enabled me to do rather than I have to stiff upper lip it Mm -hmm. and push through. Um, And I think that's God honoring to Mm -hmm. say I am limited. I'm not God. So the world will run if Melissa doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And that's refreshing to consider. Yeah. That's a good question. What what is the place of Sabbath Mm. in all of this? You know, because, I mean, Jesus... Uh, God, the father, they, they, they told us, or they like made it a law. (laughs) Hey, there's one day that's set apart as holy. You're not going to work on that day. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think there's a principle of Sabbath Mm. that should be applied, but that's harder to apply because again, it feels like if I don't do this, if I don't do the dishes, if I don't clean the house, if I don't go to work, if I don't, if I don't do all this, if I don't Mm -hmm. post my content and create my blog, everything's going to go to crap. Yep. What is it that we're supposed to be believing about God that would help us to actually practice Sabbath in real life? That's a good question. Mm-hmm. I think Sabbath forces us to believe what he says about himself, that he's sufficient huh. because we have to stop and acknowledge his holiness and acknowledge his provision and acknowledge that no matter how much work our hands are doing at the end of the day, it's him mm-hmm. who's worthy of glory and praise. And at the end of the day, that's the reason why we're working in the first place. Yeah. So I think one of the purposes of Sabbath is a reminder. Mm. Yeah. 
and that everything we have has been given. Mm-hmm. Every gift we have has been given to us. Mm-hmm. You know, what makes you better than anyone else? Don't you know that? You know, that I think of that, those words from Paul. And he's like, everything you have is a gift. And when I can see it that way, I realize God will make up whatever I'm lacking with his body. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the beautiful thing about the church. You know, where I am insufficient one of you are going to be able to fill in with your giftedness. Like he's created the body in such a beautiful way that it works, but it only works together. Mm, right? A pinky can't do anything on its own. You know, the knee can't do anything unless it's connected to the ligaments. And if I could just remember the weight of the world does not rest on me, mm-hmm. doesn't rest on you. And I think that's where I see my idolatry come in. I want to be like God in a way I'm never intended to be like God. Hmm. Yeah. He wants me to be loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, gentle, like him, but I'm not supposed to be all knowing. Mm -hmm. I'm not supposed to be all powerful. I'm not, you know, I, I think even with our phones, it's this little instrument that can make us all knowing. Oh, for sure. And so sometimes I think I feel pressured to do work. I'm not called to like, Mm -hmm. even if it's Mm -hmm. just the work of prayer, you know, I could, there's so much going on in the world right. that we think I'm supposed to know about everything and pray about everything and post about mm-hmm. how I'm praying about it on Instagram, <laughs> you know, whatever. So like you it's know that I'm doing the work. Yeah, yes. yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a lot. And to be able to rest in the God who, who has it under control. Like, I, I do think he calls us saying, come sit with me. Yeah. And so that's when I start to see my idolatry. If I'm so thinking I have to do and I can't sit still in the word that's a red flag yeah. to me. We were listening to Exodus. Phil and I listened to, um, I finished reading the Bible in a year for the first time. Look at you. I did Doing it. good work. I did it. Um, <laughs> and Philip has just started. And so he's in Exodus. And so we're laying in bed at night and we're listening to Exodus and we're listening to the manna. And first, like, we're just like, I think it's because it's like nighttime. We're just like listening to it. We're just talking and we're like, man, like, Moses just be talking to God, like, whatever. Like, it's just like, look, I'm out here in the wilderness. What are you going to, I need help. Like, what is it? And, but the other thing that we noticed was like, he gave the Israelites manna that was just enough for every day. And he told them only take just enough for the day and don't take anything more. And so we've heard this story like so many times, but we're sitting in, we're sitting there laying in bed and I'm like, they about to take more. Like I just, they, they, they can't help it. They can't, they don't like to listen to God. They took more. And then the next day it was all rotten. Yeah. And God was God, like, I maggots. told you to only take what you needed. Yeah. And that's such a like lesson in he sustains us day yeah. by day. Yeah. And so often we're like trying to take on so much more than that. Yeah. And he's telling us like, with with Sabbath, he's telling us you only take on so much, yeah. and I I really do have the rest. Yeah. Um, it was such a good object lesson for the Israelites who just like yeah, it's like we're uh, we're constantly trying to transcend our neediness. Mm-hmm. Like That's, we we ooh. just we just ooh. don't want to feel human, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is me- meaning we don't want to feel de- dependent upon anybody mm-hmm. right. for anything. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's okay to acknowledge that you are needy. Mm. Um, I think so many of, so I think the pandemic and so many of our trials and our tribulations is really God saying, no, you, you, you're very needy. Right. And that's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the only needless one is me. 
<laughs> and so cling, rest, trust, and you'll actually kind of have an easier life. It'll still be hard, yeah. but at least you might have some joy and right. some unnecessary anxiety uh, because you've trusted me to be all that I can be for you. So. And we may see God come through with his chariots that we can't see. Mm-hmm. Like when, was it Elijah who said, look, yeah. See the, the armies of God. Yeah, and he couldn't see and then they appear. Mm-hmm. I might really be off on where really, that is. But Yeah, it's scary, whatever wherever it is. Inside. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think so when I think. we only see ourselves and we just keep working harder and harder, we never actually get to see the Lord mm-hmm. do immeasurably immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Yeah. Right. You know, and so it is sometimes it's for me it's been sometimes when i lift up my hands i'm kind of like i just can't i can't and then he provides and i'm like why didn't i ask earlier right you know why didn't i ask for your help mm-hmm. and I, why am i so prideful i mean it really is i don't want to ha- have to ask him mm-hmm. for help again because mm-hmm. i feel like a needy beggar and i just need to probably be like i'm gonna be that my whole life yeah yep, yep. but yeah. that's why i think we just have to be reminded that God is our, our Lord, but also our father, mm-hmm. you know? And so our burdens aren't burdensome to him. Yeah. And, and I, I know depending on how we were parented, that might just be a framework that we have to get rid of. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, right, our right. parents like, stop asking me. All this, all this, all this. Mm-hmm. And that's because they're human. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> right. Right. But, but God is like, no, give me your cares yeah. because I care. Uh, and that's okay. So, and actually one of my greatest frustrations as a parent, is when my kids won't ask for help. Yeah, mm. I do it. I remember they were little. I do it myself. Yeah, I mean they just stubborn mm-hmm. and they would not want my help, whether it was tying their shoes or putting on their pants backwards or inside out or whatever they were doing. And you're like, this is going to take so much longer <laughs> because you just won't let me help you. Right. You know, and I wonder sometimes if the Lord is up saying this is going to take so much All longer because you just, just, just look at you trying it. to tie your shoe yeah. and you don't even know how to tie your shoe you ain't even read it in leviticus how to tie your shoe and you over here trying to work from ignorance exactly i don't think that would that would be in a leviticus if there was a, such oh, a thing for sure the law on how to yeah tie your shoe. how to tie your shoe okay so let me ask you this what was your first job just random um my first job well i was a research assistant Oh, you're like you went fancy immediately. (laughs) Yeah, I I made burgers (laughs) at Wendy's. Okay, and I worked at Belk's, which is a department store, Uh handing. Okay, well, my I was hired during the Christmas season to hand out the tissue paper. That's all I was supposed to be doing. So when someone didn't want to go get their gift wrap, right, free gift wrap, I just was supposed to hand it. Well, then they got really busy one day in the gift wrap section, and they made me go back and wrap a gift. It didn't go well. I apologized. (laughs) (laughs) I wrapped it. It looked so terrible. I had no... They didn't show you how to wrap it? No, they didn't show me how. So I'm watching these... And these women who work back there, they're like professionals. They, They have been working there for 30 years, and they know what they're doing. And I wrapped it so awfully... And I handed it to the lady, and I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> was she merciful? She was nice. I okay. think she was thinking, well, now I got to go home and rewrap like, this. Well, yeah. I was like, I'm sorry. But I really did learn. I finally learned. So now I can wrap things. Look at God. Look at you. But he makes all things work together. He does. Work together. Hello. Hey, on that note, um, every week on Let's Talk, we like to end by talking about our favorite things. And this week, I want to know, what is your favorite place to work not like place of employment but like place in your house or at the coffee shop or wherever that you work 
Yeah, a coffee shop, uh, preferably. When I was working on my first book, um, I realized one that I could not work at home mm. um, because it's just it's one. It's too many distractions, mm-hmm. but also it's too many comforts mm. because it's like me knowing that my bed is down the hall. It's kind of like <laughs> yeah, I just. I'm going to take a long break and lay down. And then the TV's right there. It's just not a thing. And so when I was in Chicago, I would work at this coffee shop that had uh, really good food, really good coffee. But it was also mildly uncomfortable. And it was something about the uncomfortability of it all that made me work more diligently because I wasn't so relaxed. It was weird. Mm. But that's my thing now. Yeah. Uh, I have been pregnant for both of my last two books. So you're pregnant and doing books. That's like double. That's like twins. Yeah. So the bed. (laughs) So yeah, my manuscript with uh, mother to son was due the week after Langston was born. And my manuscript with, um, the book about shame that I'm writing is due this, like the same week that Jamie is due. Yeah. So I've just been, I just work in the bed and you, and you, you, you succeed. I do because my process I'm not very um people are like what's your writing process like let me get in your head I'm like I write when I feel like it and you have a superpower <laughs> and I don't like and I don't edit it I just write when I feel like it and what I write is what's there yeah <laughs> that's nice so my editors and are, you write really fast my editors like, are my favorite people ridiculously fast. yes remember that you could be like remember, the Olympic sprinter remember that deadline I know that I book remember. I couldn't remember the last time we were together identity I didn't yeah, the book that you wrote a chapter in I literally woke <laughs> up that morning and I was like oh my gosh it's due today <laughs> And I wrote it, and people were like, oh, it was such a bully. And I was like, I don't know what I said. Yeah, mm. I know. Wow. I know. I'm, a, I'm not. People shouldn't do that. No. But, like, I don't have a lot of talents, so I'm just going to lead into it that one like, that I have. It is, it's your, it is. It's your that's, superpower. That's my one. Which is pretty that's good. my one. I um, am completely boring. I need complete silence. That's mm. why I can't work at a coffee shop or anywhere. Mm. And so I work at a desk upstairs. I mean, this is best when my kids aren't home but they know they're old enough now they're Mm -hmm. not running in you know and I yeah I work at my desk I need all my stuff right around me I need really quiet I need a cup of tea and then because I have back issues I will actually write a good bit laying on the floor Hmm. like this you know I mean I'm just laying down but I just have to shift I can't do that at a coffee shop Mm -hmm. either because that'd be Mm -hmm. awkward Um, but yeah I just I really have to have complete quiet that's my big thing. So I'd start hearing everybody's conversation at a coffee shop. I'd be thinking, huh, I wonder what they're going to do about that situation they're yeah. discussing. Right. Like, I right. hear too much. Yeah. And music distracts me. Everything distracts me. I write with my kids, like, dancing on my head. It's That's amazing. Just, because I think it's because I have so many younger siblings yeah. that I'm just like, it's fine. That's amazing. Yeah. We're excited to share with you about our sponsor. This year, it's Crossway, which we all love to get books from them um and today we are talking about a book from jonathan gibson jasmine you want to give us some you want to tell us a little bit about it yes um it is called be that my vision uh liturgy for daily worship and it's just what it says it's 31 um devotionals that should take you about 15 20 minutes to finish every day you can tack it on the beginning or the end of your quiet time um and it just seems like a really easy simple way to Worship God. Yeah. I love it. I love that. And I like the book cover. You like the cover? It's pretty. I like the book name because it yeah. makes me want to sing the song, but I won't do that. Cause... <laughs> I like that. it because it, it switches things up a little bit. Yes. Like I can get into a rut in my prayer life or mm-hmm. I can get into 
I just, you know, I'm reading the same Bible passages over and over and over again. I like that it kind of, um, I noticed that like the Nicene Creed's in there. And sometimes I just love to read something like an old creed yeah. that was, someone took a lot of time to write this. Mm. And it's really, it really is worshipful in a beautiful way mm-hmm. that these words express what our hearts know, yeah. but they say it better. That's what I love about old hymns. Yeah, they say it better. So I love that he kind of does that for us and put it all in one. I think we miss liturgy a lot in our modern church environments. And so it's really cool that you can bring this into every day. Yeah. Jackie, can you tell us where to pick up Be Thou My Vision? Yeah, they can get it wherever books are sold or they can visit uh, crossway.org forward slash plus. And when they do that, they can find out how to get 30% off. Ooh, awesome. And the saints love discounts. So do it. All right, y'all. Thank you for listening to this episode of Let's Talk and joining us for season number three. We hope that you'll subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. Check out other shows from the Gospel Coalition Podcast Network at tgc.org forward slash podcast. The Gospel Coalition supports the church in making disciples of all nations by providing resources that are trusted and timely, winsome and wise, and centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. 